Good evening. There's a one or two in. Come on, let's try that again. Come on. Good evening. Listen, you'll, uh, most of the time when I speak, one of the first things I do is just set the tone. Make sense? Set the tone. You, you know, it's a simple fact that whatever energy you bring to the room, whatever energy you bring into this message is a, as big a part as what I say in determining what you get out of it. If you're kind of like, you know, all down and just, okay, well, yeah, let's see what he's got or let's see what he's got to say and kind of half-hearted, that's what you'll get back. That's literally what you'll get back. If you're encouraging me, you'll kind of get the same back. Uh, there's a, in fact, I read a famous book years ago, maybe 20 years ago now. Anyone read How to Win Friends and Influence People? There's a, there's a whole chapter on smile. There's li- yeah, that's the one. Come on. Literally, if you try it, if you walk around and you, and you meet someone in the street and you smile at them, it's almost impossible for them not to smile back. We just naturally mirror the other person. So I, for my part, I try and bring energy to the, to the message, you know, and, and do my bit to it. But you need to do the same as well. I'll encourage you and try and do that. But again, it's partly down to yourselves. You need to kind of bring that along. And that'll help you. That'll help you get what you need to get out of this message. Um, why do we believe in God? Why do we believe in God? You, you know, when I think about the conscience, it, it's incredible really the conscience, because on the one hand, the world is trying to tell us that evolution is why we're here. We are just a cosmic soup. It just so happened that this planet happened to be just the right distance from the sun and and all of this stuff. You've heard this story loads and loads of times before, and over millions and millions of years, kind of we evolved from single cells and then into something a bit more complex and on and on and on, And, and then eventually we ended up with human beings. And it was essentially survival of the fittest, survival of of the best. So in order for humans to to evolve, if you like, or the next um, layer to evolve, it had to be better than the one before. It had to have something about it that was better than the one before. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm naturally, left to my own devices, I can be quite selfish. Anyone else in the room that can be... Yeah, I'm not alone in this, am I? Anyone else can be... I'll give you an example of it, right? I, I, I know not every hand went up in this room, but I would suggest some of you are maybe lying. <laughs> and you just want me to look bad and make you lot feel better. I'm quite happy to stand here and do that. You know what I mean? I don't mind that. I'm not up here to impress. But I, there was a survey done, a famous survey a few years ago. And what they did was, in a doctor's surgery... There was, uh, the door was constantly being left open. It was done at a university. They'd done loads of th- these types of studies in it. And they tried saying to the, uh, to the patients, they put a sign up saying, you know, in order to help the staff, because they're sitting there in the cold all winter because everyone keeps leaving the door open. And the sign went along the lines of, please, you know, for the sake of the staff, close the door behind you. Right? You'd think, yeah, great, that's the way to go about it. You know what I mean? Play on that kind of responsibility. Guess what? Didn't make a blind bit of difference. In fact, what they found was the only thing that changed it was when they put a sign up saying, for your own benefit. And suddenly, 
the door was kept closed. Everyone, it's a, it's a true, it, and it's a, it's a sad, sad indictment. But the point of me saying this is that, so if we're all naturally selfish, why on earth? And if, if we've got to be better than someone else to succeed, if, it, if this life is all about being better than others in order to succeed, why on earth do we have a conscience? Why is it that when I do something wrong, and maybe, hey, I'm sure you're all going to agree with me on this one, why is it? That when I do something wrong, and even if it's something that no one's ever going to find out about, I could, that's like, yeah, no one's ever going to know unless I tell them. Why is it that I feel guilty? If it's all about survival of the fittest. If it's something that can benefit me, and, and, and if you like, to your detriment, why is it that I feel guilty? Why is it that I feel bad about it? Why is it that I struggle to sleep at night? Why is it that I get a sick feeling in my stomach because I feel like I've done wrong? It just doesn't make sense. And I know that they, they would like to talk about, okay, well, that's because, you know, it's all about kind of society. But that doesn't actually fit in with survival of the fittest. Because for survival of the fittest, you've got to have someone that evolves from that little society that's better than the rest that then goes on to evolve. And are you with me? It doesn't make sense. I mean, listen, I'm scientifically minded, so I could spend this entire sermon pulling holes in evolution and all that kind of stuff. But that's not the point of the sermon. It's not the point of the sermon. Uh, 20 years ago, I, um, I, it's, Vicky was talking about miracles. And 20 years ago, in, in this church, there was a need for a, a, another preacher. And I hadn't been in the church long, and I was a young Christian, and I offered to help. It was almost foolish, really, because I'd not even been in the church very long. And I'm like, hey, I, I could have a go. You know what I mean? I could get up there and do it. You know, give me a chance. So I think the pastor, like, kind of feeling sorry for me and not wanting to discourage me too much. There was this tiny little kind of group that they used to have. And, and she, you know, said, oh, why don't you speak in front of that? So I did. I spoke in front of that group. And, and I'd never spoke in front of anyone before. I, I went on to be a teacher and various different things, and, and I, I speak in public for a fair amount of time, but I'd never done anything like that before. Maybe a play at, at Christmas when we dressed up in litter. Literally, we dressed up in litter to kind of do this campaign for, like, don't drop litter. I don't know what that was all about, but that was probably the only other time I'd ever stood up in front of people. Never really spoke or anything like that. And I did this not knowing how it would go and not knowing how it would be. And then me and my wife, we drove down to Devon to go and visit my family down there. And we're driving down there, and on the way down... We got halfway down the M5. Vicky's fallen asleep at this point. We'd literally just left this meeting, drove down, and I'm just kind of contemplating what's just gone on. The fact that I've just kind of got up and spoken in front of people and, you know, how did that go? How was that? Did, it, did that go well? Did it do a good job? That kind of thing. And literally just in the midst of it, I'm praying. I'm praying about it, and I'm kind of saying, hey, God, you know, how did that go? What did you think of it? And he kind of answered me back, which you probably shouldn't be shocked about if you're a Christian. You know, that's the point of prayer, isn't it? We pray and God kind of answers. But he answered me back and he said to me, I, I was going to preach his word. That's what he told me all them years ago. I'd never done it before and, and, I, and I went on to do it. And all the way through my life as a Christian, I've found that God tells me things. And I know I'm not the only person in this room of things that are a are going to happen in the future. Things that I couldn't have known about. I couldn't have known that then. 
It was literally just a room, a few people, and I stood there and I just spoke in front of them. And this was, this was like a message. I remember saying it to Vicky, 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 God, God, God told me I'm going to preach. I'm, I'm going to preach. He's told me I'm going to be a preacher. I mean, this was like, this was certain. This wasn't, hey, I could get up and say the occasional message or say the occasional word. This was, no, God's spoken something to me. He's told me something that's going to happen, and I'm certain of it. I've known God's voice throughout my life, and he's spoken to me. He's talked to me. He's told me things. He's told me things that are going to happen. And so I I preached. Um, One of the things that I've learned, in preaching, one of the things that I've told other preachers and have shared is this, that one of the most important things, if you're going to preach, if you're going to stand up in front of people and share a message, there's got to be vulnerability in there. You can't just get up there and say stuff that's like just kind of talking about a topic. It has to be, you've got to find the personal element of it, the personal part of it. What is it that that affects you? What's God spoken to you about it? What's the truth about this topic? Because you're not here just to hear some random sermon. You could go on YouTube and listen to that. You could read something. You could just go and read a book. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But literally face to face, being in a room with someone, hearing a preacher speak, there's something personal, there's a connection about it that speaks like nothing else. And so this message is it's, it's fairly difficult because the challenge is on me to be vulnerable, to, to, to be kind of honest. To, to put it out there about, you know, where I'm at and what's gone on. And this may not be a very long word, to be honest. The point, though, what I would say is, as I was preparing it, I felt this, that this was probably, probably is one of the most important messages I reckon I've ever, I've ever spoken. And it's really, really simple. It's not complex. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's biblical. It's in there. It's kind of obvious stuff in some respects. But the scriptures that I think that that God showed me about it are so applicable to it. They're so, so powerful in in what God says through them. And, And the personal element of it for me, from my point of view, of, of why I think this is important. One of the things that I try and live my life by, and, and I've done this for many, many years. I probably heard this years ago. I did hear this years ago. And, and I decided this was the way I was going to live my life. And it was a no regrets lifestyle. I decided a long, long time ago, I am going to live a life of no regret. That, that's it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be... I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. In fact, I just, it just come to me why I chose that. I heard about what, uh, uh, some survey they did with, I must have been in like an old people's home with, with people who were at the end of life. And they were asking them about their life. And one of the things that consistently over and over they all said was about the regrets. That they regretted the things that they hadn't done. And so I thought about this and I thought, yeah, I can see that because can you imagine at the end of your life when you're looking back and you're thinking about the opportunities that you missed, the things that you didn't do, the things that you didn't, you know, out of fear, 
let's be honest about it. Fear is one of the big things that stops us, isn't it? Fear of what might happen if we do this. And so I made a decision and I decided I don't want to get to the end of my life. That makes sense to me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be wishing that I'd, I'd, I'd took the, the job opportunity or I'd asked the girl out or had done this or had done that or whatever it is. You, you get the idea, don't you? So I, I've, I've decided long ago I'm going to live a no-regrets lifestyle. And I thought I was living a no-regrets lifestyle. I was pretty certain I was doing it. I know I'm not the best at it. There's some decisions I've not made and there's some things that I've done that I've thought, mm. but I'm not on about like never making a mistake. We all kind of do things and we get stuff wrong, don't we? I'm not on about that. I'm on about you've got an opportunity to do something. Something, that, something within you saying, I should do this. I should go for this. I should make this or do, you know, and, and deciding not to. Making that decision that uh, out of fear or out of like what might happen, I'm not going to do that. And I decided long ago, no, I'm not going to have any of that. I've made plenty of mistakes, but I don't regret the mistakes because I just, I go for it. You know what I mean? And I thought I was living a no regrets lifestyle. And then something happened recently that in the last week or so, 10 days, that made me realize, that showed me I, I, I haven't been. And I thought I was, I thought I'd got it. I thought I understood what a no regrets lifestyle was. And, and here's, what, here's what I've realized, because I thought a no regrets lifestyle was taking risk. Yeah? Kind of going for it. You know what I mean? So we've took loads of risks in our lives. It, it, you know, like giving up jobs and, and gone and took jobs that were kind of like really well less paid, that it could have ended up in financial disaster. You know what I mean? Taking on the church and giving up work and, and doing that was another big risk. You name it, I've took risks. And, and if, if I'm honest, I suppose because I made that decision, it's not been that difficult because I've, I've always took those risks based on faith. So in one sense, you could argue risk isn't the right word because for me, they've never been risks because I've always took these decisions based on what I believe God has told me to do or what, what the course of my life should be, what's right for the family, all of those kind of things. I remember moving to the, when we, anyone with us when we were at the Pyramid Center? Few of you, when, when, when we took over the church, and I remember when we made the decision to move to the Pyramid Center, and at that point, when we took over the church, there was probably about 20, 25 people coming on a Sunday. That was it. That was the lot of it. And then we, the, the church grew, and, and, and we, we probably got to about 55, maybe 60 people coming on a Sunday morning. We only had one meeting then, not two, like we have now. And we had 60 people, and we, 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 we knew we had to make a decision, a bold decision, and we decided to go to the Pyramid Center. And we worked out that based on where we were at, and the finances and all of that, was it three months? Four, three or four months, I'm going to be generous and say four months. I think it was three, wasn't it? It was three months. We worked out that basically if, it didn't, if the church didn't grow within the next three months, we were going to fall flat on our faces and we were going to look like idiots and it wasn't going to work. And, and, and so we, you know, little things like that. But we did it in faith. We felt it was the right thing to do. We, and, you know, it wasn't just blind faith. And then something happened recently. I don't really want to go into what happened. But I didn't do something that I should have done. I, I let someone down. There's no one that you know. No one in this room knows this person, perhaps apart from Vicky. And even she doesn't really know this person. A close family member. And, and I let this person down. And, and here's what I realized. I, I let this person down because it was hard. 
It was too hard. It was too hard to do what I should have done. I'm probably going a bit scousy. It was just too hard to do it. It was just too hard. <laughs> I mean, like, kid, it's just too hard. Too hard. Too hard, Tony. Hard. Hard. Hard, mate. Hard. Well hard. Kids a job. I can do that. Kids a job. It was too hard. Too hard. I'll, 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 I'll sweeten it for you. It was too difficult. It was too difficult. There was challenges involved. There was things I had to overcome. It was a difficult thing to, to help this person, to even be in this person's life, to be there for them. And so I didn't do it. It was too difficult. And, and it, it kind of came crashing down like a week or so ago. And, and, and so this isn't a pity party, by the way, because I can't go back and do anything about it. But I realized that it was too difficult and I didn't. I've got regrets now because I didn't do, I thought I was living a no regrets lifestyle and I wasn't because I was avoiding doing things because they were difficult. I thought no regrets was just about not taking risks and actually in some respects that's quite easy. How many of us go and take loans knowing we can't afford to pay them back? Plenty of people have done that, that's why there's so much debt in the country. But this was something that was a challenge. It was something I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to achieve it. I, I, I didn't know. It, it just seemed insurmountable. It didn't seem possible what I, I had to do, how to, how to be there for this person, anything like that. And, I, I, and so I avoided it. And, and I didn't do anything about it. And so what, the essence of this message is, don't do that. <laughs> How many, who in, what is it in your life? What are you not doing in your life because it's too difficult? Who are you letting down in your life? I'm not on about taking the risk. I'm on about because that's difficult. That's a challenge. That's a stretch. That's something you've never done before. That's something where you might even end up with egg on your face or, you know, you, you might have to put yourself out there. So tonight, I want to say two things because what I want to tie this into is we're a church, aren't we? Yeah. So if it's your first time here tonight, you, you probably guessed this by now, but you, it's a church. <laughs> Generally, most of us are Christians in this place, so we believe in God. We're Christian church. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's, he's the savior of the world, all that stuff. And so for us, based on what we've realized, based on what we know, it, it, it's, it's kind of important to, to let other people know that message to let other people know that there's a purpose to life, that there's more to life than just to this. There's a point to life. There's a purpose to it. And here's the thing, right? How difficult is it to go and speak to your next-door neighbor about God or your work colleague or your family member, to invite them to church, 
to, you know, all of these things. And I tell you what, let's just, let's make it even more, let's make it a bit more personal. Think about the people in your life that you love that aren't Christians. They've not kind of locked in there. They've not made that commitment. They've not made that, that faith moment. Think about those people in your life for a moment. How difficult is it to go and to speak to them? And we're on about people that you love now. People that you, you love, that mean something to you. And how, how often do we not do it because it's too difficult? Now, here's the other thing. What I don't want to do is, I don't want to encourage us all just to be going around, ramming the, the message of God, you know, like Bible bashing people and whacking them over the head and telling them, you've got to get to church, you've got to be a Christian. Because I, I think if we kind of force people to come to church... Right? That's kind of like, that's, that's not it, is it? If you start, for, if you think about it logically, if, if it was all about forcing people to come to church, right, then God doesn't need us to do that. He's the Almighty. I know sometimes it escapes our notice and we forget this fact. He is the Almighty. Everything that there is, he created. He, he has the power to do anything he wants. At some point in time, he's going to hit the stop button on all of this. That's what it says. At some point in time, he is going to hit the stop button. Not the pause button, the stop button. All of this is going to end. He, he's going to do it. These two events may happen at the same time. He's going to do it in, on your life. Yours personally, he's going to hit the stop button on our life. My life, your life, that button's going to be pressed and our life will end. But he's going to do it on the world as well. So I don't think he's short of power. I think if he can end your life like that, I think if he holds your very life in his hand, then I think he's well able of, of making you come to church, making you do things, but he chooses not to. So I, I, this is not about encouraging us to go around and force people to become Christians or have a relationship with God. I think that's self-defeating. I think that's the worst thing we can possibly do. But equally, at the other extreme, we've got the extreme of kind of forcing people. But then we've got the other extreme of just never doing anything and just going, well, I don't want to force anyone, so I don't really need to do anything about it. And that's clearly not the case either, is it? We, we, God wants to use us he wants to use you and me to reach the lost. And if you think about it logically, I reckon the chances are that you came to church because through someone. Anyone have an angel kind of appear to them and, you know, and, and give the, a bit like Mary and give you a message telling you to come to church? Anyone? See, it's not all that common, that, is it? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Obviously, angels appear. I have no issue with believing in angels. But the reality is that most of us have come to church because someone invited us. Someone went out of their way. Someone went, well, you know what? I love you so much that this ain't going to be too difficult for me. I'm going to go out of my way. Now, you might say, well, I was brought up in church. Well, think about what that means. That means that a group of people decided to give their Sunday up consistently, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, so that you had a church to go to. Come on. They gave up their Sundays, not just the odd occasion, just rocking up the odd week. They gave up their Sundays consistently. 
every Sunday so that you had a church to be brought to, so that the gospel message, the light was kept on, that it doesn't go out. So I don't want us to ram it down people's throats, but equally, we need to be sharing that message. We need to be, and, and, and it's not a difficult message. I love to use metaphor in my sermons. Sometimes, I know some of you probably sit there after time and think, what is he trying to get at here? Where is he going with this? Hopefully you get there in the end, maybe not all the time, but figure it out. That's the point of it, because when you figure it out yourself, it's all more powerful then. Ah, that's what he meant. I've got it now. But this one's just that. There's nothing to really, you know, going all scouts again. There's nothing to kind of, you know, hide in this one. This one's dead easy. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Don't not speak to people because it's too difficult. Who is in your life that you love that you're avoiding? You're avoiding that conversation. You're avoiding doing something that you know you should be doing because it's a little bit hard. It's too hard. We've got to, and, and let me just say at this point, is it, what date is it, Vicky? I'm not good with dates. 16th, two weeks today. Two weeks today, big Sunday, with everything. Everything about the service is going to be for the lost. We're going to put flyers in your hands and all of that stuff. And, and you know what? If some, for some reason you're like ill and you can't get here next week and you're like, I didn't get the flyer, then think about it. Is it too difficult to maybe text or get in touch and say, can I get some flyers? I wasn't there last week. I got called to an emergency in Germany, so I couldn't be at the meeting or, you know, this happened and, and you know, my, 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 my cow fell down a hole and, you know, the Bible says if that happens, you've got to kind of stay there and get it out so I didn't come on Sunday and, you know, so I, I couldn't make it there. How difficult is it to send a text and say can I get some of them flyers we're going to be handing out flyers next Sunday for you to invite people and what I'm saying is oh, it was too difficult what was too hard it was too hard to kind of send a text and oh you didn't do it because oh well I wasn't there and I didn't get there and, and that's human nature we all do it don't forget I'm my, my, you know the, the testimony that I'm sharing here is that I let someone down because it was too difficult and I'm saying Let's make a decision that a no regrets life is not just about making difficult decisions. It's about doing things that you've maybe got to go out your way for. You've maybe got to pick up the phone and send a text or drive around to someone's house. Or, you, know, you know, you've got to like do something. You know what I mean? You've got to kind of overcome yourself, that like little voice that's saying, yeah, but I want to have a lie in. I want to just be lazy this week. I want to just do this. I don't really want to do that. I'm saying, no, we need to overcome that voice. That's no regrets. That's no regrets. That is what it is. Listen, listen to this. We talked this morning, I mentioned this morning, Vicky mentioned this morning about one of the major purposes of the Christian life is that God wants to make us more like him. That's his goal, is to make us more like him. So what is God like. Well, think about it in terms of what we're talking about being too difficult. I keep going back because I'm ready for the scripture and then think, you know, I need to say that first. So, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane a week before Easter, a week before he went to the cross, and he was thinking about, hey, I've got to do something here for you, 
literally for you and me. It says he, he, he sweat drops of, what was it? Blood. Do, do you reckon that's a thing? Under extreme duress, and we're talking the most extreme duress and pressure, that you can sweat drops of blood. I, I, have you ever seen, witnessed anyone in utter, utter fear? I, I have. I've witnessed someone in utter, utter fear. I'm on about like fear, beyond all fear. And, and you, see, you see a person do something you would never expect them to do. You just see all logic and all reason go out of the window. And Jesus was, was in this state. He knew full well what was coming. Not just the cross, not just the nails and the beating and, and, and all of that stuff, but the ridicule, the humiliation, the public shame. Do you reckon that public shame is, is one of the biggest fears that we all have? That's the thing that will give you nightmares. Is the possibility of public shame. People will commit suicide before they'll face public shame. If you're considering suicide, let me tell you now, it's a sin. Don't do it. I don't know what happens to people who commit suicide. I could guess. I could give you my guess. I don't want to go there. I just want to tell you this. Do not do it. God says we're not to take a life, and that includes your own. That includes your own. It says in Genesis that God demands a reckoning for every life. For every life. A reckoning. So when Jesus was there thinking about what he needed to do for you and for me, and he was thinking, oh, that's difficult. That's going to be tough. That's a, that's, a, that's a challenge, God, you're asking me to do there. I tell you what, no, nah, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll, I'll let them all go to hell. That's, that's not how it went, is it? No, he did it. He went out of his way. He did the difficult thing. And this is not to condemn. Remember, I, I, I dropped the ball. I messed up as big as it could have been. And I'm saying, let's make a decision not to do that again. Let's make a choice. We're not going to do that. Philippians 2. Incredible verses. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, well, one, one, some versions use the word if. It's a, it's a kind of rhetorical question, this. It, it, this version says, is there any encouragement? Some will say, if there is any encouragement. It's a rhetorical question. It's not, he's, Paul's not questioning, is there any encouragement here? That's not what's going on. He's kind of asking this to challenge you to think about it and come up with your own answer to this question. If there is any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit... Is there any? Is there any? Has anyone found love from other Christians without the church? That doesn't happen. No church, that doesn't happen. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind 
and purpose. Just stop there before we go to the next verse. I'm working together. Make me truly happy. This is, this is a pastor. This is Paul, pastor in the church in Philippi. And he's saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm the pastor of this church. Make me happy. Make me happy. Make me happy. Do these things. Agree with each other. Wholeheartedly love one another. Work together. Have one mind. Have one purpose. Be united. Be tender and compassionate towards one another. You know, there's a, a guy, any, you, you'll have all heard of Freud, won't you? Freud, the, the, the psychologist. Freud studied people with problems and issues and difficulties. That was mainly how he got into psychology and, and what his main research was based on. There's another psychologist, a, a really famous one. If anyone, any, some business people in here have heard of this guy, Maslow. Or Maslow, it's written, but it's often pronounced Maslow. Anyone heard of him? Hierarchy of needs. Maslow, what's not as widely known about him is that he, what, what Maslow did was he didn't do what Freud did. He didn't study people who were struggling and who had issues and were, were really on the uppers and, and, you know, really finding life tough and, and, you know, just failing at life. Maslow did the opposite. He studied people who were successful, who were happy, who life was going really, really well for. They were the people he studied. And this is a, a, a quote from him. He studied people who were whole, as he described them. This is a quote from Maslow. He said this, he said, Without exception, I found that every person who was sincerely happy, radiantly alive, was living for a purpose and a cause beyond themselves without exception this is a, a world renowned psychologist in certain circles as well known as Freud and he said that without exception he found that people who were truly happy wholeheartedly happy they were sincerely happy, radiantly alive, that they were living for a purpose and a cause beyond themselves. He went on to quote Jesus and to refer to Jesus, to refer to the next two verses that are coming as an example of why the teachings of Christ were so, so true and accurate. I don't know whether he was a Christian or not, but he recognized it. Verse 3 says this, don't, this is, this is basically the advice now. This is the crux of it. No metaphor here. Paul just gets straight to the point. You want to know what to do? Here it is, little list, dead easy. You want to be happy? Make others happy. And here's how. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Sounds easy, doesn't it? How often do we do it? Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. 
consider everyone else as better than you. That doesn't mean they are, but that's a, 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 what Paul's saying is have that attitude because it will serve you well. Because then God can use them, whether they are good or bad, to teach you things. One of, one of the great things about life is treat every circumstance, every situation as a lesson sent from God. No matter who it is, whether that person you would say was evil. No one's completely evil, are they? Just like no one's completely good. But treat them as a messenger from God because God's allowed that person. He's allowed that situation. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father don't consider it too difficult, too hard, too much of a challenge to go out of your way for others. Stop thinking of yourself if you want to be happy. Make your goal, your purpose in life. Others. Making others happy. Then, then you will find true happiness. And you can start by inviting people to the 16th of December, our big Sunday, where we'll be putting on a big show and doing what we can for people. That the lost may come in and see that there is a light, that there is a way, that there is an alternative to what the world gives. Go out of your way, as difficult as it might be. Don't leave with regrets challenge them, invite your friends invite your family, invite your neighbours and stay for a coffee God bless